Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Official broadcast partner of the Chiefs and your home for Royals. Eleven o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. We'll get to the trash of the day in about twenty minutes or so. Also, a reminder coming up one hour from now. Mina Kimes of ESPN going to give us a little national perspective. We'll also. Head out to Buffalo at 12.30 today. Mike Shope from our sister station, WGR 550 in Buffalo. What about a perspective from a player that played against these Bills a couple times and go back to 1994, for example. I hate to Why start it. I, I, I hate to start it right there. We got our guy, Danon Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, of course, part of the Chiefs radio network. You'll hear him on Sunday night. You'll also hear him for little players only this evening. Danon, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, fellas? Thanks for uh, starting the show off on a positive note. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I we think were... your defense should have had a better plan for Thurman Thomas. I'm just <laughs> going to say it, Danon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way, I mean, the way he beat us up that game, yeah, we still owe him as well. So, yeah, yeah that was that was a rough, rough day in Chiefs history, rough day in my uh, personal history. I mean, the fact that that was my rookie season, and based on the, the you know, when you, get adopted into a culture like I did with uh, the Chiefs and Marty Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson and Lamar Hunt, you just assume that, okay, well, this is my rookie year. This is how we got here. We're going to be back. And lo and behold, we never got back to it, never won another playoff game after or prior to that throughout the rest of my career. So that was it was tough sledding, but, you know, I feel like there's some retribution that we can have this weekend going back up there i was looking at some youtube clips and actually watched that game the 94 afc championship game on youtube uh it was funny because i was pointing out to josh klingler and the rest of the radio crew that in that game the first punt of the game was to me and it was significantly shorter than even the average or near the average of the punter that day and i short hopped it and scooped it up and ran for a few yards, uh, basically like a baseball slide and scooped it up. And I was showing my kids the other day too. And I was like, see, this, this is how close it could have been for you guys to, for us to have a whole different life. <laughs> I misplayed that ball. We might not have had the same life and I definitely wouldn't be on the radio because that career would have been pretty darn short. So yeah, yeah tough, tough game. Yeah. No, no question. Now look, I know this was all the way back in, in 1994, but the way you're even talking, why like, you say, why'd you say all the well, way back like yeah, that? Like, I'm yeah. old. well, I mean, that? I, I could have looked dated. I, I could have said I was three years old when that game was taking place. So I don't really remember the game uh, whatsoever. I, I didn't know which way you wanted me. I didn't know which way you wanted me to go with it. But I feel I, I hearing you talk though. I get the sense that even though you're going to be in the booth on Sunday and not on the field playing in a game, like y- you feel like there's still a chance for like a little bit of you said retribution here if the Chiefs can go and, and and beat up on the Bills in their place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the emotions run high anyway. You have to recognize the matchup as it is. I mean, this is kind of like 
the the Joe Montana, Jim Kelly, Joe Montana, uh, John Elway, uh, the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning matchup. Everybody's tried to supplant Josh Allen with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, uh, maybe a little Lamar Jackson, even though we hadn't played them very much. But like in reality, when you have literally ended the season twice of the opponent, and it's always been at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, we've played them during the regular season. The matchups have gone both ways. Like, how could you negate how huge this matchup is? And uh, even though there's been some critics as far as, well, Patrick hasn't won a game on the road. Well, he hasn't played on the road. That's obviously we know that. But how big would it be for his legacy, for his resume, to be able to say, you know what, checking another box. like here's just it's just par for the course for us to be able to to get to the AFC championship and who knows based on how things unfold on Saturday maybe host a sixth straight AFC championship but the task is going to be tough and I remember coming out of that tunnel uh up there in western New York and feeling like this is a different atmosphere and there's not that very many stadiums that I, I believe from a rabid standpoint and noise and in the game impacting standpoint uh, that there is around the league, maybe Seattle, uh, but Buffalo is a pretty close second to Arrowhead Stadium. So it's going to be different than what we've experienced. When I look at this Buffalo built team, it's not way different than the ones they've faced in the past, except for a few of these guys has gotten a little bit older. I mean, I think the Chiefs top in talent is just better, Dana. And I feel like that might be the reason why I'm feeling like the chiefs have a good shot in this game is when I go back through, I feel like the chiefs have gotten deeper and they've gotten more great play out of more players over the last year, especially on defense. And I don't see that same thing for the bills. They seem like the same team they were before they started winning six games in a row. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting because I do believe that we have much more confidence right now than maybe we had back then. There were more question marks uh, with this team. We had the injuries to drew tranquil had the injury to Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, Nick Bolton was, you know, just kind of still uh, recovering, I believe, from the wrist injury, if I remember correctly. Um, so there were some question marks as far as what team we were fielding. But here's the thing that you have to understand. In this matchup, Buffalo, they're going to come out, like they're, they're going to have half the game or a quarter of the game played emotionally before kickoff like because of what the dynamic that they've had to experience everybody nobody forgets Stefan Diggs standing at the corner of the end zone watching the celebration when we went to that Super Bowl uh and and he had to watch that and the dejection that he had uh in his body the sadness that they they experienced on the sideline and in the locker room and the long flight home and then to have to come back and experience that again, getting ousted in the playoffs with 13 seconds left when they were single fingering, saluting our fans and talking trash and all that stuff. And then to have that dejection happen, like there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. And, and we talked about last week with the Colts a game in 96, because we were talking about the weather and the factor, but I, to tell you the truth, the most emotional game that I ever played was the next season, the 96 regular season when we played the Colts again. And I felt like after the first kickoff, 
Like I was drained because leading up to the game, because of the emotional low that happened in the playoffs, uh, the regular season game, like I felt like my emotions, I couldn't control them. Like I was so angry, so upset. And I feel like when you talk about the veterans there, that's what they feel. They don't have the rookies there that don't know any better, that hadn't experienced any, any loss like that. They, they, for the, for the new guys on that team, they beat the Chiefs in the regular season. Uh, but the veterans, you got to be careful that they can spend their entire energy and, and, and you know, start to, to reel back in the second quarter and the third quarter because all of the emotion that it's going to take to take the field. Dane and Hughes joining us here on Cody and Gold, of course, will be on the call Sunday night on the Chiefs radio network over on 106.5 The Wolf along with Mitch Holtis, Dan Israel, and Josh Klingler. Are you confident in both these tackles for the Chiefs going into this game? It looks like it, it's likely to be Donovan Smith again, although Wanya Morris was working himself back into practice, which is obviously nice to see. But, you know, the Dolphins, I didn't feel like had the, the personnel to, to really do much uh, against the tackles, even if, even if they wanted to, per se. Um, the Bills have a guy in the middle there uh, that is capable, and Ed Oliver and, and Rousseau also. Are you feeling all right about these tackles? I'm a little concerned heading into this game. Uh, I don't feel any more concerned than I have for most of the season. I think when you, when you face top-tier rushers, uh, defenders like they have, then there's always going to be justified concern. And it's not an indictment on Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith. I think just around the league, there's so much athleticism from those defensive ends and outside linebackers and even some of the deep tackles, like you said with Ed Oliver, that you should be concerned because one – deflected pass. Heck, that, that was the difference maker in the first game when Epinesa deflected the pass and intercepted it. I believe we were in the red zone or at least marching to the red zone. And uh, that changed a little bit of the momentum that we had in that game. And we wind up losing by one possession. So when you have those kind of guys, Von Miller back, he looked like when the game kind of got into a predictable phase last week against the Steelers, you know, they were pinning their ears back. Rousseau to me, is the most dangerous guy. And I know he doesn't have the, the, the huge numbers as a lot of pass rushing ends as the Max Crosby's and others, but he's an impactful guy. He's long. He gets up and he gets his arms up in those throwing lanes and then anything can happen. So uh, I don't feel like we're at a deficit with our tackles or anything in our offensive line. I feel like for the most part, I'd match our offensive line up against any other offensive line in the NFL uh, as far as consistency, especially when you add in the mobility of Patrick. Uh, we just got to be prepared. I, I do know this. There's going to be a game plan in how they rush Patrick. They're not going to allow him or try. They will try not to allow him to, to scamper with his legs to get those extra yards like he seems to have a knack to do, especially in the postseason. Uh, they're going to line up wide on the outside. Trust me when I tell you, you're going to hear – the wide nine technique. That's what you're going to hear a lot of during the broadcast. Wide nine technique, rushing wide, and challenging the tackles to get depth and get out against the speed of those guys on the outside. And then force Patrick to step up in the pocket, more so to throw the ball when we know that he likes to throw on the run, whether he's running left or right. So they got a game plan. They're going to try to execute it, but it's going to, it's going to be a tough, tough load. Uh, it's going to be a hostile environment. The noise factor, guys, is going to be huge. I don't think we've played 
in an environment that's going to be as loud as what we're going to face up in Buffalo. And hopefully those tackles and the communication is top show. Dane, and other than quarterback, Travis Kelsey's been the most important player for this offense for almost a decade now. How close is Rasheed Rice to matching his level of importance for this year's offense? Oh, I think he's extremely close. And part of the reason is because we haven't had the complement to that. Uh, you think about last year with Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS coming through in the clutch during the playoffs when Juju was down. And it always seemed to be the one other guy, the times where Guy Moore was able to make some plays and McCall Hardman was able to make some plays, Justin Watson as well. We haven't really had that uh, on a consistent level this year. So when you're talking about the threats, we're dialing back from last year when Patrick would average uh, completing to 10 different receivers in a game to now we know that the ball is going to either go towards Rashid, towards Travis, or maybe to someone else. And that's different than what we've experienced in the past. So I feel like, you know, the emergence, we've been asking about a number one receiver. We've been asking uh, who's going to step up. I don't know if everybody expected a rookie to step up the way he has, but he has definitely undeniably been the number one receiver pretty much since the bye week and since we left Germany. Uh, and he's playing to that clip. He hasn't, it hasn't looked like the, uh, the, the, the stage has been too big for him. It hasn't looked like he's played like a rookie. He's playing like a veteran, and I expect them to continue to lean on him and such. I know it looks way easier to all of us at home, but also, you know, these guys are wide receivers are in the NFL. When it comes to tracking the football, that was a big story for McCall Hartman, I guess throughout his career, but certainly was even last week where they've been able to get some guys open on these deep shots. It's either drops from MVS or for McCall just struggles to track the ball. You played in the league. So tell me like what, what what's going on there with McCall Hartman, where it seems like they were so close. Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. I was always taught, and part of it was my baseball background, get dirty. Go for the ball. Put everything into it. Uh, your natural body lean. Now, McCall Hardman is obviously significantly faster than I was when I was a player. But if you think about a, a runner, uh, a sprinter, their bodies have a natural lean forward, right? So, like, even for me, when I played baseball, I would always head first slide. Now, some people say, you know, well, you shouldn't head first slide, you can get injured, whatever. But I always felt like because your natural body lean is forward, your body going forward and sliding is going to be natural as well. Uh, and so that when you're running routes, if your natural body lean is forward and the ball seems like it's past the outstretched arm, you can dive for it. And we've seen that with Keenan Allen. We've seen that with Devontae Adams. We've seen that with the best receivers in the game where there were times where they have to die for the ball. I haven't seen that from McCole Hardman. And I wonder if it's something that – I don't know if it's something that he's, he's not been taught. I don't know if it's something that he doesn't believe in. There is a school of thought that receivers should run through the ball. I've heard coaches say that, just run full speed through the ball and then have late hands to the ball. Well, I, I, I think it's kind of – six in one hand, half a dozen in the other in regards to the, to the mindset. But I know from a player's perspective, like I want to see my guys get dirty. I want to see, I want to, I want it to look like you have given 110% on every ball that's thrown your way, whether it's to die for a ball or whether it's to, to not uh, allow an interception 
or to we've seen Justin Watson sliding on the sideline. I mean, we basically were able to stay in games and win games because of his catches on the sideline. And he's, he's sliding, he's diving, he's giving that extra effort. So I, I just don't know the school of thought going through the mind of McCall. I just know from my perspective, like 110% is 110%. And usually it requires you getting dirty, possibly getting bloody, uh, possibly getting injured. And I know the players appreciate that. All right, tonight, players only coming up after the drive. What do you got planned? Yeah, we got Kendall Gammon coming in. So another special teams guy, incredible career, was on the broadcast with Mitch and Dan prior to uh, me taking over four years ago. Kendall and I go way back. Not only have I known him for years, but I actually played with Kendall back when I was with the Saints before I retired in 99. So I've known him since 99. Uh, Great friend. He's part of the Chiefs Ambassadors as well. We're going to have a good time on air. All right, we'll be listening tonight. Safe travels up to Buffalo, and uh, hopefully we're talking again next weekend set for another AFC title game. All right, fellas, you know it. There you go. That's Dane and Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver players only tonight. Also part of the Chiefs radio network broadcast. You'll be here in Sunday evening over on 106.5 The Wolf, along with Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis, Josh Klingler. And, yeah, we'll have, we'll have Dana on next week no matter what, but I hope we're talking about an AFC title game, not Same. the end of a season. Um, <laughs> it's really hard, but those deep passing things are so frustrating because I, it feels like it's like a skill. Like sometimes you talk about sports where either you have it or you don't. Like I understand you can coach it a little bit. I understand that. But either that is a skill set you possess, like playing center field in baseball. Either you are good at tracking a fly ball to a point or you're not. I understand you being coached up to a certain point, but MVS, McColl, those guys aren't it's, good at it. And when Dana was describing, like, you know, running through the ball or not, one of the complaints some people have had about MVS other than just dropping the football is that sometimes he leaves his feet and does dive when he could have just kept running. So there's a balance or, between the two, right? I like Dana's previous approach. Yeah. Fight for it. Yeah. Make it look like. Well, you would have got the PI call if you yeah, fight for it. Make it look like you're trying to do battle for this man over the ball. And that's never been the Chiefs case. I think that's partially what's been so frustrating. All right, let's get to it, JT. It is time for the trash of the day. Trash of the day. You said that so much. JT wasn't going to remember to play trash. Well, no, I was helping. He, I mean, we can peel back the curtain a little bit. He knows. I, I was giving. I was giving him some time. He was. Like, he was not ready yet. It's not. I'm so not trying JT, to call him. JT, that I, is well, going to be trash. Yeah, I was. I was I, trying I was, to get the edit of the uh, the interview yeah. done real quick, and I, <laughs> I forgot about trash no, of the day. I was trying to help him. And nobody. Nobody it? knew. You didn't. Have, you didn't. Nobody knew oh, if you didn't bring no. it up. That was intentional. I purposely was talking slow. You're a good man. And he ended up hitting, and we're all good. We're all good. All right, trash of the day. Uh, look, there's a lot of dumb things people buy. A lot of expensive stuff. You're like, how the hell does it cost this much? So this is not unique in that regard, but look, I I don't know. It's been a while since I even used a paper clip to begin with. I never have had a money clip either. I used to carry a money clip. Um, but Prada, been a long time, but... Prada, so that means you already can tell it's going to be expensive, but Prada is selling a $400 money clip, and it's just shaped like a paper clip. It just looks like a paper clip. It's a giant paper clip, essentially, for 400 bucks. <laughs> $400 and it happens to have, you know, it says Prada on it. This is always the thing that always got me a little bit about like uh, just buying a wallet. Sometimes like, what, I guess it's $60 just to put money in this. Yeah. This seems kind of crazy. It seems like kind of a high number. $400 for a money clip is insane. I'm looking at the photo of this thing now. You're right. Just it just, it. it just looks like a paper clip. Just go down to, just go down to like <laughs> office depot and get like the super big ones. <laughs> 
if this is your plan for a money clip, look, you don't have to have it's a real money. Even, clip. What if I told you it's not even the most expensive one? I was Googling you once I saw this. The most There's another brand, Anita Co. Should I know that brand? $1,200. It's a paperclip earring, and it's eighteen. It's $1,200. That's an earring. And it's $1,200. And it just looks like a, is it made of real gold or something? It's it or is real eight, silver? It is 18 karat gold on that one. Okay. Well, at least then, like, the But still, it's just a material. paperclip. My problem with paper clips is I always get fidgety with them and I'll take them apart. Bend them? Yeah, I get bending them. So, yeah, they would break. So, Have you yeah. ever seen those videos? Is it true? Like, I've only seen the video. It's like it might very well be like those guys who weren't actually really digging out like a pool at three in the morning, you know, like through the ground. You would watch those videos oh. and they're like shoveling it out. But I've seen videos that like bent metal like that has a bit of a memory. So if you reheat a paper clip, it could go back to its original shape. Really? No way. And what I'm asking is, is that real or is that just like one of those like uh, online videos designed to, to do I mean, it? in regards to the paper clip, paper clips, not ones that's a money clip, but paper clips are so cheap that, you know, what, just, just use the next one. You, know, you don't need to be worried about warming <laughs> it up back. so it goes back. We've all just had the paper clip that you stretch out or whatever. Like we've all like, yeah. So are you saying there's a difference between paper clips and money clips? Someone says, yes. wasn't Gucci selling oh. like a $100 white plain t-shirt at one point? Yes. Yes, I, I don't understand. That's, I mean, what what's crazy? That's crazier. You would get use out of it at least, but that's still crazier. I also think if you're getting a money clip, I don't feel like a money clip. I get it, right? It can be kind of cool. People are like, "Hey, we're walking into the club gold. I pulled out this wad of cash. It's in a clip. Looks kind of gangster, right?" I get it. Like yeah. like you're an old timey mobster is what it feels like. Kind of cool. But if it's a paper clip, doesn't it kind of lose the effect? I want to have like a dollar sign on it or something. I want to go full money clip effect. If Look, I you know? I, I finally have gotten used to it over the last couple of years. For a while, I used to have the still like the old school wallet, and it was you know had all these cards in it. It looked like almost a Costanza wallet, and I finally switched. Now my cell phone case has like the card slot. I know, you know? we had to talk about your Which, wallet because it was out of control. And I I love this thing. You know, like I only keep the things that I need to have, yeah. and if I want to switch out a card for that day or whatever, or you know if I'm on a trip and I know I want to have this credit card with me or something, yeah, I can switch it out. But in general, it's it's so much better. Now I will say the only problem with the the cell phone case with cash or with with, with the phone is get, if if I want if I have cash on me I can't really fit cash in the cell phone case but that's different you can just have that in your pocket yeah. and you're good but in this case like what you're describing is if you have a ton of cash and you want to Cody's yeah, trying to Cody's trying to flash the cash around look I used to carry a money clip when I was when I was bartending because I had cash a lot and I wasn't always trying to take it to the bank and stuff that just seemed like inconvenient. So I paid for cash more with things and I didn't want it jamming up my wallet with too much. So I, I carry just like a separate money clip for a I while. Mean, the only time I, I ever... told you I lost it once. It had like $400. Oh, that sucks. It. And somebody, no, somebody returned it. Oh. Someone I was walking down the street and nailed to a tree was a sign that said, lost money clip. You're going to have to describe it because like the amount of money yeah. that was in it. They no, they returned it to me. I I don't I mean I just don't carry cash. I mean, the only time I carry cash is honestly if I'm if I'm going to like the casino or something, Cody. Like I'll pull out cash before so I don't pay the $7 ATM fee while I'm there. This guy says his wife bought him an $80 wallet. He'd rather just use the rubber band he was using before. Oh, he got person, one of those like rigid wallets. Yeah. yeah. Someone says this person just uses a binder clip, like the black binder snap clip. I've seen and that. holds all their wallet that way. I feel like that'd be I don't know that I'd like the way that felt in my pocket. Because I've never been a back yeah, pocket wallet guy. Anybody no. a back pocket wallet guy? Nope. I don't like I was it. for a while. Not when comfortable I was to sit down. Yeah. Not comfortable to sit down. Agreed. So I, I could was, never go back I, now. So, yeah, I know you were supposed to use it in your back pocket. But even when I had a wallet, I know I would actually, 
have it in my front pocket, even if that's not technically where you were supposed to have it. Yeah. Like you're, and they also said if you're in a busy city, you shouldn't have it in the back pocket anyway. It's just easy for someone to pickpocket you. If it's in your back pocket, they can just grab it right out of your back pocket versus having to like reach around in your front pocket. <laughs> that's pocket. Like, pocket. This is about to be a Maurice Jones Drew situation. Pocket. I'm going to let you finish that yeah. sentence pocket. before you do it that way. Someone says binder clip all the way. We had expensive wallets. We've had Ridge always back to the binder clip. Man, is this? Should we all just be using binder clips? No. What do you? What are you using now? I just use. Uh, I thought you had the cell phone case with no, the no, card slot. Oh, my you still have this wallet. So no, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. It's a regular wallet. It's not, you know, all right. It's not, but it's pretty skinny, right? I, I don't carry a big thick wallet. It's a relatively skinny wallet. Someone said they <laughs> they had it in their front pocket. They still got pickpocketed at Wrigley Field. That's a fun. We don't like the sub the the, the light rail or whatever. Hmm. A little bit different. All right, that's the trash of the day. Coming up next, we get right back into the Chiefs. I asked Dane and Hughes about the offensive tackles. Let's go back into that a little bit because you do have Wanya Morris coming back from injury. So what should they do at left tackle this week? We'll discuss that next. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. And gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It is the Chiefs Red Half Hour in our NFL playoff coverage on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Each drink, scenic views. About 25 minutes from now, we'll be joined by Mina Kimes of ESPN. Of course, you see her on Inside the uh, NFL Live, I should say. And, man, she's got her own podcast now. She's doing everything. Uh, really appreciate her giving us some time today. That's coming up at noon. And she was one of the only national media members, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? that said, hey, I think the Chiefs are still going to find themselves in the AFC title game. So we'll ask That was her. like a hot take when she said it. They're like, give us an un... It was like, give us an unpopular opinion on Levitard's show, I think, with Stugatz. Yep. Yes. And that was her take. So the Chiefs we'll, are going to be in the AFC title game. Now just one went away. We will ask her about that coming up in 25 minutes. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp. We got JT producing for us today. Drew under the weather. Hopefully he's back tomorrow, if not uh, on Monday. So I hope he's feeling a little bit better. I, I asked Dane and Hughes about his concern level, if any, with the offensive tackles, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. And there's a scenario, too, now that it looks like Wanya Morris is coming back healthy, that you have some options at, at left tackle in particular. I, I still think even if Wanya's back healthy, and it looks like he will be, Donovan Smith should be starting a left tackle. I'm not trying to act like Donovan Smith's great, but when he's healthy, I do value the playoff experience versus a rookie. Wanya Morris, we were excited with him playing because if he performed well, it could solve your future problems. 
that's why there was excitement. It wasn't like Wanya Morris was playing great. He had the one game where I think we were impressed. And he's young. He's going to get better. But I want a veteran, assuming Donovan Smith is healthy, and he is right now, I want that guy. I want the veteran playing left tackle for me when I already have questions at right tackle about false starts and penalties. So this is where I kind of run into a little bit of an issue where would you have felt that way if, like, would you have felt that way if Wanye had started the whole time? So he just doesn't get knocked out with a concussion. He makes all those starts. And then Donovan Smith's finally healthy for the first playoff game. I think I would have wanted Wanye to start then. He'd have been the man who had started for the better part of a yeah. month. He had done, look, I'm not saying he I mean, wasn't that's how his... Morris. I mean, that's how Wanya Morris got in. Donovan Smith got hurt. I mean, that's kind of how it goes, right? Yeah, but also, like, he didn't do such a bad job that I thought he had lost the gig, if that makes sense. Like, I thought he did fine. Like, he had problems? Sure. Does Donovan Smith have problems? Yeah. I think it probably just kind of covers I... both ends of this where I wouldn't necessarily think, well, that's not the case. Now it's tough because, once again, like you said, Wanya got the job because Donovan Smith got hurt. Donovan Smith got it back because Wanya got hurt. Do you really go back to the rookie left tackle now? Maybe tough. I, I felt like after the one strong performance from Wanya where we were talking and we we're kind of getting a little excited about what it could mean for the future, I, I, I'm assuming other teams started to find some tendencies of his. I, I feel like he got a little exposed at times. I, I really do. Um, prior to his injury, that team started to, to figure him out a little bit and it became a little more challenging for him. And I'll just tell you, going to Buffalo... On the road, divisional round weekend, I'm not trying to tell you Donovan Smith's a top-tier left tackle. In a loud environment? But in that environment, I'll go with the veteran. And and when Donovan Smith is healthy, he is more than serviceable at left tackle. I'll take the veteran experience. You know, we already discussed Juwan Taylor and, you know, false starts and holding penalties. I don't need a rookie on the left side false starting all all, uh, all damn game long because of the environment. They're in Buffalo. They're already I'll, really guilty I'll, of that. That's usually Jawan Taylor's problem, Yeah. by the way. And I get it, because the text line's like, Wanye Morris was garbage. I think he was garbage, but he, he got exposed a few times, I think, as he continued to play. That first game out was really impressive. But I, I think some other teams maybe probably saw some opportunity and some tendencies, and that's where he's going to – he's a rookie, okay? He's going to – I'm going to go with – the veteran in the spot. I think that's what the Chiefs are doing, don't you? I mean, I think Donovan I Smith is starting at left. So back. they are graded. They, uh, Donovan Smith has played about double the amount of snaps as Wanya Morris because he played for a good majority of the season. Yeah. Um, they rank on Pro Football Focus nearly identical. And I understand Pro Football Focus <laughs> got a got a whole bunch of social media action yesterday because yeah, what was that? Uh, J- uh, JJ Watt yeah, called, called him, him out. out, and then he didn't fully understand because. Pro Football Focus isn't an algorithm. It's actual people who do grading, which is a whole nother problem. And in a weird way, I trust hard analytical numbers more than I trust a guy who is trained to grade someone but is subjective. The same person who graded C.J. Stroud, and by the way, he only got like a 78 rating, is not the same person who graded Patrick Mahomes who got an 88. Yeah, it's a problem. That person might have given C.J. Stroud the same grade, but the same person doesn't grade the same game. I, I, so it's like it just adds a different element. And that's a fair point. Plenty critical of PFF. I will say, though, like, clearly teams think it's valuable because they're every team, you know, subscribes to, like, they have they have a team version of PFF, right? Like, through PFF. Like, they yeah. clearly think there's value in the grading system. I know from the outside, we're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But teams, you like, if it was such a bad, you know, I know we all make our jokes at times about PFF. But if it was such a bad thing, then why does every NFL team actually pay money to subscribe to, to have, they get access to data we don't even get to see. Sure. And again, it's the subjective just the same. A, a different coach, I think it was Mitchell Schwartz, had 
or no, it wasn't him. It was maybe Chris Long had said, I've sat in a meeting where they put my PFF grade right next to the coach's grade, and I argued with the coach. I'm like, what the hell? I played way better than that grade. And he's like, no, nope, sorry, it's a C. He's like, that was like an A-minus game. What are you talking about? A lot of these things are subjective, and pro football focus is included in that. So I'm not saying that Wanye Morris and Donovan Smith, just because they're pro football focus grades, are nearly identical. Are you telling me, I'm though? saying you both guys weren't playing well. Yeah. And if Wanye was go, I'm just saying, if as a team, yeah. If your plan was never to put Donovan Smith back in the gig, I'd be very tempted to go back to Wanye. If your plan all along was the second Donovan Smith yeah. is back, we're going to let Wanye take a little bit more rookie time, and we're going to go back to the vet for the playoff game, stick with your yeah, plan. Yeah, let's not forget who start, you know, who started the season at left tackle. I mean, I think mean, it doesn't matter. We're talking about offensive line in particular, who yeah. they viewed as the start at the beginning of the season. Usually, like, if the other guy is – if the original starter is healthy – Usually, that's who ends up getting the job back. Like we've if had guys, a veteran, we, you know, over a injuries like like you know whatever. a year or so ago. Andrew Wiley wasn't the original starter multiple years ago at right tackle, but someone no. got hurt and then he held on to the job, and the other guy was at hurt so long that it just he ended up holding on to the job. And the next offseason, he kept the job. That's a little bit different circumstance. I, I guess if I were to just put a poll question out, or even just I, the three of us here, like deep down, who do you trust more in a playoff game on the road? And I don't know how your answer could be the rookie Wani Morris. I don't think I've seen enough of him play. To, for that to be my answer. But that means you're if not. That makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, had I gotten 10 games, 12 games out of him, maybe I would have seen enough to give you the answer on the other side. I'm not, and again, I'm not so definitive that I would say that'd be the case, but I would be tempted depending on what my plan was because they had a plan before when you got hurt. And what was it? That's what I want to know. What was your plan? And look, it's important to note that the Bills are the only other team in the NFL who get sacks kind of the way the Chiefs do. They don't get it all from their linebackers and corners, but they also don't get it from a single source. They don't got TJ Watt on their team getting them 20 sacks. They don't have Nick Bosa getting them 20 sacks. Leonard Floyd led their team in sacks at 10 and a half, similar as George Karloff just did for this team. Ed Oliver had nine and a half. Nobody else had more than six and a half. They're just balanced. They yeah. will run numbers at you over and over and over again on the defensive line. Part of me thinks that's where Donovan Smith experience matters is that he can work against a variety of defensive linemen doing a variety of different techniques, and he might be better to hold up against that than Wanye Morris. These two teams in particular have advantages, disadvantages like any other matchup. The coaching doesn't probably get talked about enough because that that's also where there's, I think, a serious discrepancy. We were going through earlier in the show trying to rank out the, you know, the seven coaches or whatever that are going to be playing or coaching, I should say, this weekend. And how far down the list do you go to where you put Sean McDermott compared to Andy Reid? Just because at the 13-second game, mistakes with timeout usage and the kickoff at the end allows the Chiefs an opportunity. You, you, you take a look at this year, Sean McDermott, 12 men on the field versus the Broncos on a field goal try, allows them another opportunity or the opportunity to kick a game-winning field goal. Like Andy Reid has his, his, his uh, you know, conservative nature at times people are frustrated with or challenging in bad spots or whatever. Nobody's perfect, but there is a wide gap between these two. I think even this, there is, there's a considerable gap. Matter of fact, I think we ranked out the coaches earlier and both of us would have Sean McDermott, I don't know, near the bottom somewhere. Um, like, I mean, make your argument about whether you like LaFleur better than McDermott or some of these other guys who were three, four, five down the list, because no matter your order, Andy one, Harbaugh two, right. Or Shanahan three or Shanahan two, those are the top three. And then we know everyone else is kind of in a wash. McDermott keeps making mistakes in these Chiefs games that cost him. They're just losing these games against the Chiefs. All of them are close, and they all come down to some critical decision, and then they run some boneheaded play 
or the scheme design stops working or he doesn't make the adjustments. The Chiefs have been better about coming back in these games or staying ahead of these games because McDermott can't refind it. I even go back to earlier this year. You know, part of the reason I'm just not a big believer in Sean McDermott, where before I was like, hey, it's unknown and I'm not sure the level of coach he is. I don't think he's Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> he's not a miserably bad coach. But like earlier this year, the good coaches, they still get him. I know that the Chiefs lost to him earlier this year, but Bill Belichick with an absolutely miserable roster still found a way to beat them this year. How? They were in the middle of fighting for their playoff lives and they let the Patriots get yeah, him? Yeah, the Chiefs lost to the Broncos, though. I mean, what I mean, like... There's I, a quality difference between those two teams. The Broncos I, I, I were 7-9 and nine or 7-10. Yeah. and 10. Yeah, oh, but at that point in time, Cody, we were talking about the Broncos having a historically bad defense and everything. They ended up finishing strong. The Chiefs caught them right when they were starting to play better football. But let's... let's There's we were, a quality we, we, difference between those two teams. I, I, I understand, but we know what the conversation was going into the Broncos game. Like, Andy Reid is better than Sean McDermott. It's not even close. But if we're going to go nitpick bad losses during the year, I mean, like, I... I we, I don't know if that's the that's the one thing I'm pointing to for for why. I'm just saying that's in a long yeah. list of other things. Gold, you're right. If it was just one thing, I wouldn't think of it. Andy's got bad losses on his record. Every coach has got some bad losses on his record somewhere along the way. It wasn't just, it's just, and I get it. They won six games in a row. They seem to rally behind him. And he's got a lot of wins. But I've seen what he's done in these Chiefs games. He managed to lose to, this year, he managed to lose to Bailey Zappi, Zach Wilson, he also lost to the Broncos. I mean, I just like, and I understand they're on a winning streak. I am just, I don't think the Chiefs are clearly the best team. I think it's obvious that the Ravens and the 49ers have the two best squads. Here. Doesn't mean the Chiefs can't beat them next week if they're in that game, but those are the two best teams. But I think sometimes we're talking, like other people nationally because the Bills have won six games in a row are ready to just be like, the Bills are definitely better than the Chiefs. I'm like, that's just not the case. No, it's a and coin Especially flip. in the coaching perspective where, Andy has the decided advantage over Sean McDermott. Yeah, it's a it's a toss up coin flip type of game. And if anything, I I actually because of the injuries that the Bills are still dealing with, and the Chiefs are fairly healthy heading in, I I, I think the Chiefs you can make an argument are the better team when you have a, the best defense in football. And the jo can, can Josh Allen and the Bills beat Kansas City? Of course, absolutely. They, like you said, they beat them in the regular season. Playoffs are a little bit different, but they beat them in the regular season. I think this is a coin flip game. And the fact that the Chiefs are underdogs on the road, like, I'm not surprised by it. I think we expected to see that. But there, you know, you, you would have thought three weeks ago, and this is a credit, I guess, to where the Chiefs are also playing a little bit better on offense. Three weeks ago, everybody was like, oh, yeah, the, the, the Bills are actually going to end up going to the Super Bowl, and uh, the, the Chiefs are completely toast. And now I think some people have come around. Uh, one, the Bills haven't exactly been ultra impressive the last two two weeks against the, the Dolphins and against uh, the Steelers even. Like, there were still moments where you're like, yeah. What are you doing? And then the Chiefs offensively have been playing a little bit better. Both teams are flawed, and that that's that's a it's a it's a coin flip game for me. I did. Someone says coin flip game is kind of funny because they lost the coin flip. Yeah, I didn't even Chiefs. mean it like that, but sure. <laughs> yeah, and might be, we might be talking ball. about another coin flip. And the then Chiefs they got win the those. Rule change, despite the fact that Chiefs went through that identical situation, brought up that rule to the league, and yeah. they ignored them. That happened to the Bills, and were they the way? I did look it up by the way. Reed against his former assistants, he's faced them. 26 times in his career. He is 17 and nine all time. He's a perfect three and zero in the postseason. Okay. Do you, do you look into the officiating stuff at all? Cause you know, I'm torn on people the made way too big of a deal about that because Ed Hockley or whatever, Sean Hockley, or the Sean, son, sorry, Sean, Sean Hockley, the son of Ed in the gun Ed over there. Um, the chiefs are eight. They're eight and two in games. He officiates. So of course out of, you know, in Buffalo, there's a little bit of noise around that. Do you know but what Patrick Mahomes winning percentages in yeah, every game exactly. he's ever played? He wins a lot of football games. It's 77 and a half percent. Yeah. 
So, okay, so hypothetically in Sean Hockley games, he's 2% better. Are we sure this isn't just a sample size thing? <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest for just a minute. He's got a lot of football games in which he wins 77, 78% of the time. With one referee, he wins 80% of the time, a 2%, 3% swing. And are we sure this is just not sample size? That's just the rate in which he wins. Now, look, are there did some officials? Get, did you get asked about that when you went on a no, Buffalo? No, 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 oh, okay. no. We'll like, talk to God, no, they, no, no, no. I'm talking about, you know, fan Fans. stuff. Social media I mean, like you, you said, it, you know, Mahomes wins like 80% of the time anyway. But there's truth, right? There are certain officials that they haven't had. Like, we, we, on average, yes, he wins 80% of the time. But there are, like, Brad Allen, right? Like, the, the Brad Allen official, the one that was in hot water for the yeah. uh, multiple times this year. Like, the Chiefs are three and four like, with him. Like, and Mahomes is four and six to get with Clee Blakeman. That's forty percent. You know, that's like forty percent. So like, there are some officials where you're not. But overall, yes, Mahomes has you know is winning eighty percent of the time, if not more. Yeah, that's a little bit different. If it's three and four, it actually almost kind of makes sense. And we've had plenty of conversations about uh, referees who cried in this very stadium. Oh well, we've talked about yeah, Carl Sheffer's plenty. We talked about that. Uh, you don't yeah. want to get back into Carl Sheffers no. again? A couple uh, news and notes here. According to the Chiefs, Derek Noddy will not practice today. He's the only play. player. That, that's an interior run game. I mean, that, that's a guy that's a run stuffer for this team. That's not great. We'll, we'll see. Today's Thursday. You need him out there tomorrow if you want him to play on, on Sunday to have a shot to play. And it's he a left halftime game. of the game and didn't play ever yeah. again against Miami. I don't feel like that's... Was it, what was the official injury for him? Was it... I thought it was elbow. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, okay, yeah. So we'll see. And also, unrelated to the Chiefs, I just kind of got a chuckle out of this. I came across uh, former Royal Hunter Dozier has agreed to a minor league deal with the Angels. So. Oh, good for Hunter. Yeah. Do I mean, I don't know. I mean, it includes an invite to MLB camp. Oh, there you go. Hunter Dozier had one really good season. Got paid for it, too. Props and to him. I don't know what like, and then he got injured the following year, and then he was never the same player again. Between injuries and the other stuff, Hunter Dozier was never the same player again. To the point that I last year was a really tough year for the Royals, not just from a win perspective, but we were just waiting every month to see who was going to be the next veteran they let go because of they weren't anywhere close to the player they were based on well, the no, pay in which they were well, getting. Look, no, up until now, no, from the minute the Royals finally did DFA Dozier. Nobody, I mean, up until right the second, nobody else signed him. No. So, I mean, that, that I mean, tells you all you need to know. No, he just well. got an invite to camp. Yeah. Maybe he's fixed some things and there'll be, you know, maybe things will look a little bit different there for him. Honestly, I mean, he was, I covered him a lot. He was a very nice person. I hope, yeah. I, wish, I wish him well. Yeah. Um, I also do not think that the Royals fans were wrong for being like, why is he still getting playing time over right. some other players? Like at the time, I just wanted to see like Edward Olivares instead. It's not like that was the long-term answer. No, he's not with the Because it not, wasn't, and he's not no. with the club anymore yeah. either. But that was one of those things like, at least I'd like to know. But for the Royals, it was the sunk cost fallacy, which we've talked about a lot of times. He had shown at one point in his career that he was capable of hitting 20 home runs and hitting 40 doubles and hitting like 270 with a 320 on base percentage. He just never was that player again. Let's see. Maybe we'll see uh, the return of Hunter Dozier. Should this show celebrate that in some way? The Angels come to town? No. Dozier's on the squad? Don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. I kind of forgot. Someone said Super Bowl champion Mike Pinnell time, and I kind of forgot. Yeah, Pinnell. Pinnell's definitely a run suffer opportunity. Yeah, they signed. Uh, uh, an option for them. Well, good news that they added depth there. They're not particularly adept against the run anyway. I don't think Nadi's had a really that's big season. That's their weakness nice on defense. I mean, their that's weakness their on weakness. defense is stopping the run. And James Cook got them last go around. I mean, that'll be an area. We're not even talking about Josh Allen. That'll be an area that the Chiefs are going to have to be better. And they were phenomenal against the Dolphins. 
in that area when everybody was worried about Achan and stuff and the Dolphins didn't do, I mean, they just didn't do anything at all, period. It was a masterful defensive performance. But across the entire season, if there was an area that this defense has ever had any issues, it definitely has been uh, against the run. So they're going to have to to be ready for it. We'll see. Not great news that uh, Nadi's not practicing. And was their single biggest issue in the game against Buffalo the last time? Cook got him in the passing game and in the running game. But again, you and I have said there's a big difference now. At least they're fully healthy at linebacker. Because, you know, you'd mentioned the defense. I think sometimes we say it flippantly, like, we both think they're the best defense in the league. Let me just tell you quickly why. They have a defensive line who is second in the NFL in sacks. And it's not just the defensive line. I know it comes from other areas. Second in sacks. They got one of the most elite pass rushers in the NFL or pressure guys in Chris Jones. The linebackers, incredibly deep. Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, they've got tackling machines. They've got guys who can cover. They're versatile and deep. And then they have the best corner combo in the league and good safeties. Like, there's no weakness on defense outside of they get beat in the run game sometimes. Yeah, That's and, the only and, thing that holds them back. And in this game, like someone pointed out, like the first matchup, as we've talked about, there was you know, a Bolton just coming back from injury, no Drew yeah. Tranquil. Look, they, even when they've had those guys on the field, they haven't been great against the run. But, yes, against against Buffalo in general, that's why I think they're going to do a good job of controlling uh, Josh Allen on the run, which they did a good job against even the first matchup. For sure. Josh Allen had like 30-something yards rushing, which I'll sign up for that right now. If you tell me Josh Allen has 35 yards rushing, that's a winning formula. He can't get the 30-yard run on you that changes the game like he did against Pittsburgh. That's what has to change. All right, coming up next here, we'll be joined by ESPN's Mina Kimes. Get a national perspective. She was one of the only national media members about a month ago that said the Chiefs were headed back to the AFC title game. We'll find out why she still maybe feels that way next. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.